Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre Chapter 12 The detectives left and the family gathered around the dining room table to discuss all that had just happened. It was only nine o'clock, but Grace was shaken and tired down to her soul. Dark circles had appeared around her eyes, making her look sickly. Jennifer was nervous and fidgety. Jessica had swapped her small pad of paper for a yellow legal pad as she prepared to take more extensive notes. Jim and Zach sat quietly, waiting for the discussion to begin. Let's recap, Jessica said. Other than asking a couple of questions in class, you don't know Justin, correct? Grace stared blankly at the table and nodded in agreement. That's correct. Jessica tapped her pen against a legal pad. Either way, she said, it doesn't really matter. Detective Quill said that the handwriting looked like Justin's as if it was written while in an agitated state. But he all but admitted that it was possible it was written by someone else. Who would do anything like that? Jim asked. And how would they get Justin's journal to do it? I'm not sure, Jessica said. She fixed her stare on Grace. Honey, do you know of anyone at school who would do something like this to you? Grace continued to stare at the table. It was clear that she was focused deep within herself. Jessica put her pen down and reached across the table and took Grace by the hand. Honey, I need you to come out of your shell right now and focus. I can help you, but it's important you help me understand what's going on. Grace looked up, her face a mask of despair. 
but I don't know what's going on. I know, Jessica replied, but by asking questions, we might be able to get some ideas that may lead to the truth. Do you understand? Yes, Grace replied. Good. Now, do you know of anyone at school who has a grudge against you? Grace thought about it. No, she said. Since Melanie moved away, I've not associated with anyone. Have you been asked out by any boys? Jessica asked. No, Grace replied, then caught herself. I mean, only Ian. Ian? Jim asked. Grace nodded. Yes. Did you accept? Jessica asked. I turned him down. Jim looked a little disappointed at hearing this, but he quickly covered it up. Grace knew he had a large amount of respect for what Ian had done to save her and the other kids at school. She felt compelled to clarify why she had turned him down. I mean, Ian's a very nice guy, but I see him more as a friend. I hate to have to ask this, said Jessica, but did Ian ever get mad when you turned him down? Could he have been holding a grudge? No. In fact, he would make funny remarks about my turning him down. Like? Jessica prompted. Grace thought about how Ian had asked her out just before the shooting at lunch. She couldn't help but smile just a bit when she remembered how he had reacted to her rejection. Well, he said I must be one of those girls who need to fall in love with her best friend. He said that at least now he had a plan. Ian's cavalier attitude toward being turned down made everyone smile. Even Jennifer couldn't help herself and stopped fidgeting for a moment. Okay, Jessica said, bringing everyone back to focus. That seems very nice and all, but do you think he secretly resented your rejection? No, Grace said. He never acted weird or upset around me, ever. How would he get Justin's journal anyway, Jim asked. Who knows, Jessica replied, but anything is possible. So who is Sarah, Zach asked. I was just getting ready to ask that, Jessica said, giving Zach an encouraging nod. Zach was pleased at the compliment that Jessica had just given him. He tried to act cool as if it meant nothing to him. He fought a smile that was trying to dance across his face. He lost the fight, and the smile was broad and proud. Um, Grace said, unsure how to answer this question. I don't know, really. She's this new girl in school. She's kind of nerdy, but she seemed nice. I've seen her around, but only met her for the first time today. Tell me about that, Jessica said, making a couple of notes on the legal pad. I actually met her twice today. The first time was in the restroom between classes before lunch. She came in behind me and introduced herself. She already knew my name, 
Then, after Ian got shot, she came in to comfort me when I was cleaning myself up. How did she know your name? Jessica asked. She told me that she had overheard a conversation with me and Mr. Kent in the library. Even as Grace said this, she began to feel as if that first meeting with Sarah was more sinister than it seemed. Do you think she followed me in there because she is stalking me? Jessica clearly thought that this first meeting was suspicious. Possibly. Did she say anything else that might shed some light on what's going on? Grace took a deep breath as she considered her two conversations with Sarah. Maybe, she said. When she came into the restroom after Ian got shot, she told me that Ian would be okay. She said the bullet had nicked his lung, but that he would survive. Then... When I was washing Ian's blood, Grace's voice began to crack on the memory of being covered in Ian's blood. She stared down at her hands, palms open, as if they were still stained crimson. Her mother put an arm around her to comfort her. After a moment, Grace decided to tell them about Sarah's cryptic warning. When Sarah first introduced herself to me earlier this morning, we talked for a bit. Then, as we left the restroom, she turned to me and said that I needed to be careful because my actions would greatly affect my destiny. Jim and Jessica exchanged worried glances. Well, that's disturbing, Jim said. Jessica held up her hand. Before we get to that, I have a question. How could she have known that the bullet nicked Ian's lung? No one knew that until Ian was at the hospital. I don't know how she knew, Grace said. But when I asked her that, she ignored the question and told me that what Ian had done for me was an act of unconditional love. Jessica was now taking copious notes. Without looking up, she said, Ian was shot in the chest. It's possible she could have made a surprisingly accurate guess about the bullet nicking his lung. Do you think Sarah has a thing for Ian? Grace had not considered this. She thought about it for a moment. I really don't think so. That's the only time she mentioned him. Did she seem angry or upset that Ian had gotten shot? Jessica asked. Did she sound as if she were accusing you? No. Grace said. She actually sounded very calm. Have you ever seen her talking to Ian? No. But if she had a thing for Ian, why would she steal Justin's journal and write these things about Grace? Jim asked. That doesn't make sense for her to do that just to call the detectives and tell them about the difference in handwriting in the journal. And she couldn't have known Ian would do what he did and end up getting shot. Jessica stopped writing and looked at Jim. True, but I've seen some crazy things over the years. Who knows why she would do that? All I know is that it sounds almost like Sarah is up to something sinister. Jessica turned to Grace. She warns you that your actions will carry serious consequences. Then, you are sitting with Ian at lunch and he ends up getting shot. 
Then Sarah seems to know the seriousness of his condition before anyone else. And she knows about the handwriting in Justin's journal. This is all very strange and very disturbing. So you're thinking that Sarah is stalking Grace, Jim said. But why is she? She doesn't seem to have a thing for either of the boys. Who knows, Jessica replied. Right now, here's my theory. Sarah has a thing for Ian, but knows he likes Grace. She knows Justin is emotionally unstable and is having issues with Brandon. She either manipulates Justin into doing what he did today, or she saw it as an opportunity to somehow steal his journal and frame Grace, thus removing her from the picture. Jim shook his head as he worked through what little information they had to work with. That's a lot of speculation. Jessica nodded her agreement. That's true, but we've just started this investigation, and right now, Sarah seems creepy. I don't like creepy situations, and until we have more information, we need to proceed as if Sarah is a threat to Grace. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre Chapter 13 Jim and Jessica were successful in their respective careers. Jessica was an attorney and Jim was an author whose career was just beginning to take off. Their prosperity afforded them the ability to buy a spacious Victorian home with extra bedrooms, two of which they decorated for Zack and Grace for when they stayed over. They had decided that Grace and Zack and Jennifer would stay for them as long as it took to make sure that they were safe. Grace sat propped up in her four-poster bed and tried to understand all that had happened to her on this horrible day. The light in the room was soft and came from a small antique lamp on the nightstand. She had always enjoyed the warmth and cheerfulness of this room and loved the way the lamp cast a comfortable glow yet allowed the corners to be softened with veils of shadow. Now, however, the dimly lit corners seemed to writhe with ominous intent. She would catch furtive movements from the corner of her eye and would stare into the shadows for long moments, attempting to see the movement again, just to catch a hint of another dark squirm in a different corner. This game of hide-and-seek with the shadows only served to bar her from gaining any real perspective on the day's events. And the idea of sentient shadows with evil intent set her even more on the edge. She willed herself to forget the malevolent shadows and to focus. She began to replay the scene from when she had first met Sarah in the girls' restroom. Sarah had seemed so nice and when she had given the cryptic warning, she had come across as quirky but sincere. But now that Grace thought about it, that sincerity metamorphosed into something dark, ominous. Now, in the illuminating view of retrospection, Sarah's actions and words earlier in the day seemed to be a bold threat. Something squirmed in the corner near her bed, 
She peered intently into the corner and saw only shadows with an occasional mote of dust catching the muted light of the lamp. I'll never get any sleep like this, she murmured, and slid under the comforter. She closed her eyes and lay there, trying to clear her mind by taking deep breaths and counting them. It was a breathing exercise she had been taught in her martial arts class. After every third or fourth breath, the faces of the kids in the lunchroom would flash into her mind. An older girl had a hungry grin on her face as she looked down at Ian's body. Joey Taylor wore a mask of anger as he shoved other kids aside to get his chance to see the blood. These disturbing images continued for nearly ten minutes until she remembered the look on Ari's face when he had knelt beside her. Instead of his usual mysterious disinterest, there was genuine concern. She then saw the look on Nephi's face when she stepped up behind them. Her eyes shone, and it looked almost as if she were trying to suppress tears. That wasn't quite right, though. Was it pity? No, that wasn't it, either. It was, however, drastically different from the ravenous looks on the other kids' faces. Grace concluded that the most important thing about this scene was that Ari and Nephi helped save Ian when everyone else wanted to watch him die. She focused on that fact and was finally successful in pushing away the pain and confusion. And with that, her weariness overcame her and she fell deeply into a nightmare. Mm-hmm.